welcome to the Defender Podcast, a resource to help mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm your host, Herbie Newell. Well, it's Wednesday, June 8th, 2022, and Dr. Rick and I are coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. And today we are joined by none other than Sonia Martin. And Sonia is such a wealth of wisdom and such a resource for our team. Grateful for her. She joined our team about three years ago in July of 2019. And she currently serves as director of our central Alabama area. But more than that, of, of, of helping our team with TBRI, with, with Families Count, with uh, all the many different things that she does to help our team think through how to care for kids, how to care for children from vulnerable places. Uh, she has done so much in her career from speaking to parents and professionals and judges, DHR, attorneys, GALs. She speaks at so many different conferences in the Southeast on topics such as parenting kids from hard places and how to measure bonding and attachment and deciding best placement for children in foster care. She earned her BSW from the University of South Florida, her MSW from the University of Alabama Roll Tide. She's a TBRI practitioner, a TIPS leader, the president of the Montgomery County Foster Parent Association, but she is most importantly, the mother of seven teenage boys, three of which she adopted internationally. And she's also been a foster parent for Montgomery County DHR. She lives in Pike Road, Alabama, where she spends most of her time cooking, cleaning baseball, infield dirt off the kitchen floor. She also loves to travel and has a heart for the people of China and the millions in that country that have never heard the gospel. And so we are so grateful to have this conversation about the importance of structure and routine. And what an important conversation as we're starting to get into the throes of summer as well. But before we bring on the venerable Dr. Rick and we bring on Sonia, I wanna remind you about our resource page. On our resource page, we house hundreds of helpful articles, activities, ideas, and other materials. Topics include adoption, attachment, siblings, medical needs, and what activities to do this summer, and how to handle scheduled transactions, and so much more. The truth of the matter is, if you go to our resource page, you're going to find much of those resources have been penned and given by Miss Sonia Martin. You can go to lifelinechild.org backslash resources, or as always, see our show notes for more details. And again, that's lifelinechild.org backslash resources. And so this is the time of the podcast that everybody loves. We bring on the venerable Dr. Rick. He is esteemed throughout this country and really worldwide. Many times we call him the galactic Dr. Rick. Dr. Rick, we're so excited to have Sonia here and really, again, as we go into summer, talk about the importance of structure and routine. Yeah, I uh, first of all, I'm going to one of these days before the podcast, I'm actually going to look up the word venerable and figure out what you're calling me. But we'll we'll get there at some point. Um, you know, Sonia and I have the, the privilege of being able to work closely together on uh, some things that are really important here with regard to education and the training of our team and the preparing of families and the supporting of families. And, and so uh, today is fun for me because I think that we're going to talk about things that we find our way to talk about a lot in the midst of, uh, you know, a lot of varied conversations. And um, 
and and so this is and this is not just bringing a competent professional to the table, but um, but just a genuinely Christ honoring person. Um, Sonia, you you are um, you've been an incredible gift to our team, and are thankful for you and you know your wisdom of parenting, and and just really excited about. Uh, tell, delving into what is a uh, you know really important topic over the summer because there are families that are if they haven't figured it out yet they're about to figure out that the loss of structure that comes with summer is going to be a little more challenging with uh, you know with a child that's come from a hard place so thanks for being with us. Yeah, I'm excited to kind of tackle a topic that is on the lips of pretty much every parent on every playground right about now, both born out of terror, maybe a little bit of what am I going to do over these next couple of months, but also certainly and hopefully some joy to, you know, spend some extra intentional time. Well, you know, Sonia, I think that um, it, it's fair to say that part of the trepidation and the fear that comes with uh, the schedule and, and the changing of the schedule in summer is that, you know, like kids can smell fear, right? And, and so we've had a plan that in, in many ways has been laid out before us for nine months of the year where school has been sort of the central factor and it's driven our ability to, to bring in predictability and structure and a rhythm to the life of our kids and, and what everybody seems to really look forward to in summer is, right, like it's that unstructured piece of it. Uh, but that's not always um, maybe the best thing for kids that are coming from hard places. And there's, there, there are some other things that are in play. So with regard to structure, first of all, um, like why does it matter? Why, why should we... Why should we put in the effort to try to build structure at a time when everything around us is trying to tell us just, you know, kind of live and be free and enjoy your, you know, enjoy your freedom um, without having the schedule of school? Like, why in the world do parents need to think about structure? Yeah, great question, Rick. And I would say in response to that. It matters because God is a God of order. And certainly when we think about the framework through which we run our homes and guide and disciple and lead and love our families, that method and that structure really is no different. And the need for it certainly does not diminish. If anything, it actually expounds when we talk about caring for and loving well children from trauma. But honestly, just to kind of parse that out a little bit more, I would argue that this concept of needing structure and routine within a family unit are really born foundationally out of expectation. So when we talk about structure and routine, what we're really talking about is this sense of expectation and understanding what the expectations of the day are is enormously beneficial, right? Not only to our children, but even to us. <laughs> I know, you know, when I think back to the days when I was parenting these seven boys who are all very young, I love nothing more than to go to bed every night and look at my calendar and understand exactly what the plan was for the next day. It even brought me a sense of security and understanding and calmness when I could have some rhythm and understanding. Um, but, you know, I think that even when we look outside of our homes, it, imagine for a minute if you woke up every day, drove to your office, 
and wandered around, having absolutely no expectation or understanding of what you were supposed to do that day. Not only would you likely become extraordinarily irritated by that process, but you're likely to get in the way of your coworkers or irritate them because you're not doing what you're supposed to do. Your boss is likely to become very displeased because you're not completing certain tasks, but how are you to know what those tasks are unless you have a pretty firm understanding and expectation of your behavior. And I mean, I'll say it again, our kids are no different. And this just becomes all the more important when we talk about the effects of trauma on them. Yeah, and I I think it's so important. And, you know, again, we have structure in our lives that that we count on, uh, each and every one of us. And to think that our kids don't need something that we need is is just a fallacy. But also what we start to see is that predictability and structure even starts to help in the developmental process. I think of, you know, even going back to an infant, an infant has a schedule that you put them on when they know when to eat. They know when uh, they, they're going to sleep. There's There's some predictability, which actually helps that child be happy and and to 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 have more joy when they're awake. And so, the more predictability we bring in for a child, the better that they're going to be able to uh, to be able to grow and to be able to learn. It, it's it's funny even thinking about that. I had a conversation with my twelve year old, which was extremely funny because she said, "I don't know why counting is so hard. It's just so easy." And and the reason is because it's just as a because she had structure in her life. She just heard things and she grew and she developed. But in a, in a more technical way that you can, help us understand why structure is so important to the developmental process. Yeah, so it, it certainly helps to create healthy habits, first of all. So it, again, like you said, Herbie, how, much of, how many of us don't enjoy waking up in the morning and having that cup of coffee in our quiet time? And when something happens in our day and that gets you know, interrupted, we can go very easily quite a bit sideways through that. So when we're talking about the development of a child, this understanding of what's coming next and that, yes, my needs will be met. And yes, I have some understanding of what's to come just positions the brain in a manner in which it can go. Ah, I get it. This world is safe for me. I can understand what's about to happen to me. The problem becomes when we lose all sense of structure, which can so easily happen during these summer months, that trauma brains especially will indeed (laughs) fire up and start to go a little bit sideways all on their own. But just kind of globally speaking, I mean, not only does it help the learning process, it helps them channel their energy into some productive activities. Um, But certainly when we consider the history of our children, that's really something that I think all foster and adoptive parents especially should give some great pause and thought to. So often we hear this over and over again that summers are challenging. Summers are a season of dread for a lot of foster and adoptive families, but we have to understand the why, right? There's always a why behind the behavior. But think about that for a moment. Think about when your child was living in an institution. Did they know what caregivers were going to be available to them that next day? Mm, Probably not. If your child was in an abusive or neglectful home, did they know whether or not they were going to eat that day? Maybe, maybe not. Did they know whether or not mom or dad were going to come home drunk or angry? 
It's just unknown. All of their life, their foundational mindset has been one of just a giant question mark. And what that does when we disrupt a routine over nine months of school, for example, and we go back into that, they are unconsciously reverting back to that state of mind where they don't know what's happening. And when we've got a kid who doesn't know what's about to happen, you're going to see some of those behaviors start to kick up, which are born out of a sense of a lack of safety. So, Sonia, one of the things that I really appreciate about you is that um, there's there's great technical knowledge in, in being able to talk about the reasons why and behind and help to give insight into that. But um, you're just insanely practical, too. And I, I love having those conversations where we get from the, the reasons why to just down to like, what can we do? What are the things that are practical steps that we can take? And so I would I'd love for you to just kind of, you know, expound on some ideas for families and, and talk in, in practical terms about what are some ideas that families can do to actually walk out um you know, what you're, what you're telling them is pretty vital for their summer. Yeah, sure. And yes, I love me some practical tips. <laughs> Nothing makes me crazier than hearing sort of ethereal concepts, which yes, are just and right and important. But when you are a mama hanging out for a day surrounded by these kids, you really want to know, thank you, but what do I do? So a few tips I would say, number one, have a conversation. Have a conversation as a family. Allow each person to have a voice and speak into what are some of their goals for summer? What are their, some of their needs? What are some of their wants? Maybe get out a big sheet of paper, or give everybody a marker, or let them write it down, let them draw a picture, give them a way to find a small yes into some things that they can do this summer. Doesn't have to be big doesn't have to be expensive. This can be things all the way from, hey, the family's going on a beach trip in July, all the way down to that new ice cream shop that just opened on the corner that one of your children has been insanely excited about. Let's see if we can find even small ways to give them a voice and give them a yes. So once you kind of take that overall big framework, what I would do secondary to that is start to make that smaller, scale it down a little bit, get a calendar can be a visual calendar for some younger kids where there's a lot of pictures involved. It can be a traditional calendar if you've got some older kids that can read. But start to really put these big ideas and these small yeses that you're going to give into a calendar. And this should be something that exists in a common area of your home so that these kids can just sort of glance at it every now and then or their brains can be reassured as they happen to visually come across it throughout the day that, okay, there's a plan. Somebody's in charge here. Somebody knows what's about to happen. I have some leadership that's over me and an authority over me. I can relax, I can rest, and I can enjoy kind of what's to come. I would say certainly as we touch on, I do want to point out if you're going to be doing things like taking a beach trip, I would highly, highly encourage families to ahead of time go online, 
pull up those pictures, let the kids see the pictures of the hotel room, reassure them that they're coming back home to their home, circle the day on the calendar when they come home, right? A lot of these things, we have got to be a little bit proactive when, again, we have to understand their history and that they are probably thinking through this a little bit differently than you're thinking through it. You know you're coming home. You know the beach trip lasts four days. Um, They don't necessarily buy into that as easily. So being intentional to make a really big point out of that is just incredibly critical. So once you kind of have those smaller pieces put in, I mean, just some ideas that, again, are, are incredibly very inexpensive is can you do things like have Taco Tuesdays? Can every Friday be a pool day maybe? Can you have service Saturdays? where as a family or as, you know, you take one of your children at a time and go find someone to bless in your neighborhood or, you know, you buy somebody's Chick-fil-A behind you. I know I came home a few weeks ago and somebody had mowed my lawn. That was an incredible gift to me. I still, to this day, have no idea who it was. If you're listening, thank you very much. But find a way to serve others, right? Make some rhythms to your day. This is just extraordinarily valuable to position those kids in a better mind space. So, Sonia, as a as a parent who will confess here and may I may need to engage in a little conversation, some therapy with you later over this, by the way. But uh, to confess that uh, to take in kids from hard places um, with sensory issues to Disney, um, <laughs> like not the not maybe the the most uh, not the best moment for our family, to be honest with you. And, and one of the reasons like I'm, so I'm a little bit of a planner when it comes to stuff like that. And, and so our, our Disney trip, um, like it made sense to me that if we were going to be there and we were going to have this time, then I needed to, I need to make a plan. Like I needed to, I needed to have, I kind of need to have the whole day planned out. And, and I needed to do that for my kids that were you know, coming from a hard place and where this was going to be a little bit of an overwhelming environment. There was a point in the, in the midst of a Disney vacation where my wife lovingly put her arm around me and said, we're not like fixing a battle plan to attack a beachhead here. We're, we're, we're here to enjoy Disney as a family and maybe just the hotel pool, to be honest with you. But I think sometimes we come off in these conversations talking about and people get the impression that everything has to be structured. And, and that everything has to be, you know, kind of tightly wound and predictable. Um, but I get the feeling that's not, that's not exactly what you're saying. Could you kind of expound on that? Yeah, it's definitely not exactly what I'm saying. So thank you for that. Yeah, I, I would say absolutely not. No, every moment doesn't need to be scheduled. I, I would encourage you to look at the larger goal. The goal isn't to account for every moment. The goal is to avoid 12 weeks of general chaos. Um, The one thing I would really sort of point out is, especially as we're talking about kids with maybe some early disrupted attachment, is that understand they are coming off of nine months of waking up at the same time every day. And here's the critical part, seeing the same people every day. Every morning they wake up and get on that bus, 
Every morning they wake up and get dropped off at school, they are in intentional, deep relationship hour by hour for nine months with that teacher or with that homeschool co-op leader or with the friends in their classroom. When we've got kids who are coming from a history of broken attachment, we've then introduced them to these relationships for nine months. And then, oh, guess what? Summer comes and what have we just done? We've disrupted that attachment to those relationships. So we can't discount that. So no, not every moment needs to be scheduled, but yes, we need to have some awareness that they need some sort of framework with which to sort of come off of those nine months of relationship with other people that have been outside of your home. And I'll tell you this, Rick, one of the best ways to do that is through play. We all know that kids learn best through play, be silly, be fun. I know one of the things I used to do was after they would go to bed at night, I would grab a couple of the couch cushions and extra pillows and blankets, and I would throw them in a couple of empty bathtubs around the house. And I would put some books in there or some little plastic dinosaurs or Hot Wheel cars. I just made these inviting spaces for them. Sometimes I'd throw just a dining or a sheet over our dining room table or make a fort, depending on how fancy I felt that evening. And so they would wake up and have a moment where they could just play. And they could just be. And it was such a great, easy introduction into our day. And I'll be honest, I will be vulnerable and selfish enough to admit that those little play spaces that I created were honestly just as much for me so I could have my coffee in quiet for a few minutes while they played. But it was inherently very beneficial to them. Yeah, I think obviously all of that structure is so important. And you know, doing things that are fun and doing things that that really help our kids with predictability. But also it's in those moments of routine that we get to also begin discipling our children as we minimize distractions and maximize opportunities to really reach their heart. Um, what are some ways and some considerations that you would give parents to say, hey, let's not just survive summer, but let's thrive during summer and use this extra time to really be able to disciple the hearts of, of our children. Yeah, that's such a great point. I, I like to think of it as the great reset, that every nine months, parents get an opportunity to really challenge maybe some of their existing patterns as a family that maybe aren't healthy or areas that they want to improve on. I know certainly one of the easiest things to do or one of the suggestions I would give is think about maybe introducing your child to a different missionary every month or every week. You know, they've got that great Christian hero then and now series that's phenomenal. Read that together as a family. Talk about it. Draw pictures about it. Research about that country's, you know, the country of origin that that missionary served in. Maybe use them as answers in a game of Pictionary or family skit night. There's just innumerable ways sort of as we do reset to sort of develop some new rhythms and discipling of our children. And I would, I would go further than that and say also, you can really be intentional to find new ways to connect and attach and sort of just build that relationship, which is going to be nothing but valuable, especially year by year as they get older. So if you've got a kid who's you know, 10, 12 years old, invite them if they're interested in the cooking process. Can they start to have some 
uh, responsibility through that. Whereas maybe they get to choose the menu that night. They get to go with you to shop for the groceries. They get to cook the meal and set the table. And man, how gracious we can be to them and how thankful and just making a very big deal out of their contribution to the family unit really starts to cement that understanding of I belong here. I am valued here. I am worthy here. And I have a place in this family. But man, this 12 weeks, if used properly and intentionally, um, can certainly build memories that last a lifetime, both through the family, but are also just honoring to the Lord. I know. I, I I, I think we would be remiss not to double back, especially with having someone like you here, Sonia, you know, there are times when, and Dr. Rick talked about his Disney World trip, you know, the summer, the, the unpredictability, it does dysregulate our kids. What are some tips for parents that are dealing with a child that has become dysregulated? Maybe because there's just nothing they could do to bring order and routine to a certain time. Uh, maybe it was just the completely unexpected that's happening. What are some good ideas to help a family bring that routine back and kind of dysregulate their children? Mm. So I would say, number one, be present. Connect with them in those moments where they've gone a little bit sideways. Get low, meaning if it's safe and, you know, they're not going to be terribly violent or they're not much larger than you are, go low. You want to use those, we call the mirror neurons clinically. You know, if you're coming up at your child and using more of that aggressive body language in an effort to get them to calm down, they're not going to calm down. We need to mirror that for them. So can you sit on the floor next to them? Can you breathe deeply? Uh, One of the things I always encourage parents to have on hand, regardless of summer or not, are called busy boxes. These are just very inexpensive containers that you can pre-fill with things like kinetic sand and some manipulatives in there or some fresh coloring books with a brand new box of crayons, something that you can easily grab that can produce and facilitate that moment of connection with your child. That attachment to you is the piece of the puzzle. These children were born to be before their brokenness entered into them, attached and with their, especially their biological mother. Absent that attachment, that primary caregiver in their life needs to be that central person that can be their safety. Uh, That is extraordinarily valuable. So I would say number one, be present. And then number two, make sure that you're being intentional to talk with them, right? When you're tucking them in at night, let's talk about what we're doing the next day. Let's give them a voice. Let's start to share power with them ever so slightly. And I don't mean that you're no longer under their, they're not any longer under your parental authority or you don't have biblical authority over them. It's not what I mean at all. I mean, you can share power while still maintaining your authority in very small ways. And what that does to that child's brain is it says, you're okay. You've got a voice and they're connected to you. And it's this reciprocity that occurs in that relationship that really helps kind of quell some of those harder moments. You know, I think, Sonia, as we um, as, as we continue to just process this and, and what you've said, the, the thing that I really appreciate is that this is just really accessible. Um, and, that, and that for a lot of us that, you know, maybe walk into this season with a little bit of fear and trepidation and, and a little bit of concern about um, the potential that it could be difficult, really kind of miss the fact that it also can be um, really incredible and really transformative. 
and and that we get time with our kids that we wouldn't have other times that we're we're able to have those moments and make those memories but i i think the the other part of it that i i think i would say is as parents as as much as we need to do this with our kids is is to give one another grace um to realize that we're not going to always get it perfectly we're not always going to you know, be in, at, our, at our best in, you know, on every morning and how we're trying to, you know, frame the day. Um, they're not always going to be their best and how they respond to things that we've really planned to do and, and things that we kind of have in our mind that are like, this is going to be a winner. And sometimes it just isn't. And, and it's, but it's okay. And that even if we can, can come to a place of being able to respond well in those moments and to, you know, to breathe deeply and to make a connection with our kids, even in those moments where we've kind of messed up, um, like how much that goes toward contributing to a sense of felt safety and belonging and, and those things that they're just really, you know, really hungry for and desperately in need of. And so I just, I really thank you for, um, you know, just for, for kind of giving a framework to that and some ideas that can help us to kind of negotiate through the difficulty and, and yet, um, to, to do it in a way that's just really hopeful. Um, because, you know, you stack a bunch of summers on top of each other where, where we get, where we do a few of these things intentionally. And I can say, you know, now with adult kids who have walked through this journey, you can say with adult kids that have walked through this journey, you can look back over, the time and say, you know, it was really worth it. And it, and it helped and it worked and, and God did something, um, as, as a result of us just trying to be a little bit careful and a little bit proactive. It can be a beautiful thing for sure. I think with a little bit of planning and God's grace that just surrounds and envelops us, it, it can be a beautiful redeeming time for sure. Awesome. Well, Sonia, we are, um, out of time, <laughs> but we're incredibly thankful for um, the time that we've been able to spend with you today and for us to to share with our audience. Uh, want to let folks out there know that we're here and we would love the opportunity to be able to journey with you this summer. And so as you're working through some of these things, as you're, you know, as you're, you're kind of stepping through and, and maybe as you run up on things that you, um, you know, that, that you find difficult that are happening in your family. We have a set of services with parent coaching and with bridge educational services and all kinds of things that stand ready to come alongside you to just be there and to, to walk with you and to help um, to be solution focused, to, to give you the opportunity to be able to um, to fulfill that role as discipler and protector and nurturer of your kids. And so if you're interested in finding out ways that your family could benefit from those services and a lot more, um, find us at lifelinechild.org or um, really on any of the social media channels that are out there at Lifeline Child. Uh, all those are great pathways to get to us. Drop us a message. Um, let us know how we can help you. And, and we would love to be in touch. And so, uh, for Herbie and Sonia, I just uh, say right now, thank you. And, uh, and we'll see you next week here on the Defender Podcast. 
Thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Podcast to make it easier for more people to find. For more information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, visit us at lifelinechild.org. If you want to connect with me, please visit herbienewell.com. Follow us at Lifeline on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast.